What's going on, good people? It's your host, Jono the Giant, with my boy, JV, welcoming you to another episode of the Giant Fundamentals Podcast, where we discuss black male issues, growing and healing, and getting on the other side of greatness. Now, before you even tune in, please leave a rating and review, and do not forget to subscribe. Mr. J. Vaval, what's going on, my blood? JTG, how's it going, man? Let's go. Now I was saying, what's good? What's going on? Oh, you you messed me up. You you paused. Uh, it's, it looked like you was it was a glitch in the system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I guess I'll start off with uh my giant gratitude um because it it it, it deals with what I've been doing um especially now I'm on vacation right now in Mexico vibing. Um, so my giant gratitude is my evolution, um, being able to change and recreate myself over time, just reflecting back and seeing how much I've grown. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really eye opening. And I just I, I just was just so grateful for that because, you know, I, I try my best not to be judgmental. We all judge people naturally, um, but I've always tried not to be judgmental. But when I look at other people and just their lives and how stagnant they've been and not just career-wise i'm talking about like emotionally mentally uh iq wise it's just like wow you still think that way or you're still doing this you know what i mean as i'm as my friend likes to say in our big age <laughs> what says that oh uh, bitch oh okay <laughs> she always says in our big age you still do i'm like that's funny but um I'm just really grateful for my growth. Yeah, that's 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 a good one, man. Uh, I think for me, I'm thankful for just life. Um, a lot of times, you just you can get on this this hamster wheel of just trying to like progress, 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 and feeling as if you don't have enough, feeling as if okay, I need more, feeling as if I got to make this change, but. When I just take a step back and I just look at my life and how far I've come, man, I'm just like, yo, man, this life is not promised. Like, you know, the people that we've lost in the last few years, the people that we've lost in our lives in general, it's like life is not promised. And I and I just think back, you know, to um the Gene, Gene Rodney that we lost um earlier this year. And, you know, he 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 was gonna be, I think what, December, I think December 5th, December 6th. First week of December, for sure, he was going to turn 40. He didn't even hit 40 yet. Wow. And I'm like, dang, you know, like, that's someone I was with all the time growing up as a kid. And mm-hmm. see that he's no longer here and that I would never be able to call him or speak to him or hear his voice. Like, to he- like that, that's a wake-up call for me. And that's something where it's like, okay, I have an expiration date. Like, it's coming one day. So just being thankful for life and everybody that's in my life. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. You you bring a lot of memories to my mind, especially with Gene, you know, Urkel. <laughs> he still always called me Urkel. Um, and I remember when he got his Nissan and he he painted it himself. Yeah, really good <laughs> with know, his hands. He was really good with his hands. And, it's, and as I was reflecting through my growth and my evolution, I realized, like, even Gene, the influence that he had on me. Because, like, when he got his car... Like it made all the boys want to get a car. Like 
I think we all got cars around the same year, two year span, right? Um, I remember when we were riding bikes. <laughs> we used to go to the Henry uh, crib, the Henry's, and they, you know, put the pegs, take the pegs off, yeah. stuff like that. You know, um, even the house that I live in now, me working with Brother Mac all those years, and to see him have a five bedroom house in Miami Lakes, and how much it meant to him and his family because they struggled so much of him being an entrepreneur. And I was able to do the same exact thing for my family. So it's like going through those steps of influence and then evolution is really eye-opening. Yeah, man. That's why it's very important to always take time and reflect, man. Take time and reflect. Something that I like doing and the wife does it as well, where we'll just go through our phone and just look at how far we've come, baby pictures and kids started walking and talking. And it's like, whoa, like, Man, it's 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 a major thing, man. And, you know, for wherever you are in your life, I think it's very important to always look back. I think a lot of times we look back at the things that we wish we could have uh, corrected, but we need to take more time to really look back and see at the, at the, the monumental moments, like the moments you will never get back again. You know, Nas has a song on uh, King Disease 2. It's called Moments. And that's what he talks about, like, you know, you'll never hear that your firstborn child cry again that way. Like you heard it for the first time, like all those different things, like they play a major role on your mood. And they also energize you and give you inspiration and motivation moving forward as well. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And I think that brings us to our topic today, um, where sometimes we feel like we have it bad. But then when you just look at other people's situations. And, and look, I want to make this clear. We're not, comparison is the thief of joy. But as humans, we naturally compare. And I think that in us comparing, there are different key elements that we should need to focus on, right? So looking at South Sudan, and you know they got their first Olympic playoff, uh, not a playoff, but first Olympic berth um, in basketball um, for the FIBA. And just thinking about the continent of Africa and the turmoil that happens there um, on a consistent basis, right? When it comes to civil wars, scams, you know, drug trafficking, whatever the case may be, especially what we see on the media. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of good stuff that happens in Africa as well. But when you look at people in third world countries and you look at us here, uh, we have to be more grateful for where we are. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I was in the thick of it well, back in what that was 2009 when I went to Malawi, Africa, and I lived with the people in the village like in like we weren't we weren't like in a nice hotel in the city. Like we were living in tents. Tell in them the, the, the food used to eat. <laughs> uh, man, I yo, I don't know what I was thinking. Like when it comes to food and now I know much better now. I used to think I was invincible. So there was like this uh this fish from the natives, and um the mission director brought it over, the one that put everything together. And I wasn't there when he brought it. And they was, they was like, Oh yeah, he brought it for you. And I didn't really know that it wasn't cooked. And I ate it, and then people were looking at me like, Yo, what are you doing? But it looked cooked, it was crunchy and everything, like it was fried. <laughs> what type of fish? Africa got a different type of fish. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> uh, I'm so sick. But then my body is strong because I only got sick for like maybe like 12 hours. Man, I just drink a lot of water. And I, we, I walked for like seven, eight miles that day. But my body was like, yo, just dragging through. 
And then I came back to the camp. I took a nap for like two, three hours. I was good, rejuvenated. <laughs> like, I was like, ooh, boy. I was like, what? I was like, yo, I ain't gonna make it back to the States, boy. <laughs> yo. Shitting on that plane, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. Let me tell you about that. That boy. And here's the thing. Yo, taking dumps, bro. <laughs> I was taking in a squatty. I don't know if you know what a squatty is, but it's like, it's no, tw yo, when I tell you I was in the middle of nowhere, it's like they created a hole in the ground to poo, bro. Like, <laughs> yo, man, I ain't gonna lie. That's the best pool I ever had in my life. Like my wife would say, she said, boy, you love pooing. I do. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel clean. It's <laughs> a cleanser. So, yeah. But um, living there with those people, man, I'm like, yo, it just, it really gave me an appreciation for my life in the States. Like. Yeah, like you said, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. And I've definitely, I've experienced my own sets of traumas growing up here. But there's a different set of difficulties when you go to another place. You know, when you go to another country, when you go to a third world country, when you go in the middle of nowhere, where you got bobcats and stuff running around all type of night. <laughs> like, there's a different set of challenges that comes with that. And you just got to be appreciative for where you are, man. And like you said, going into the topic, for the day with uh with the Sudan basketball players uh actually having the very first time being qualified to play in the Olympics the the things that they had to go through was just man it's crazy and I don't even want to say it. let me just you know let's just play the clip so people can hear exactly what's going on South Sudan, it has been an independent country since 2011 and had never earned an Olympic bid in any sport that was until Saturday when at the World Cup, the Bright Stars, a team that's made up of refugees and the children of refugees changed all of that. Now, South Sudan is a country that was in civil war from 2013 to 2020 and their team, it is largely funded by Luol Deng. So I, I implore you, go read Brian Winhorst's piece on the stories of the young men who make up this roster, players who fled South Sudan as babies, who relocated to sanctuary cities, who lived in refugee camps, whose parents and grandparents were killed in civil wars. And when you've been through all of that, things that many of us I know can't imagine, and then you represent your nation in their first ever Olympics, this is what that sounds like. Yeah, so as you can see, the things that they, they've been through, man, like refugee camps, losing parents, hunger, all these different things. It's like, for me personally, it just shows me the strength of the human spirit and soul, man. How do you go through all of that? You've experienced so much pain, so much grief, so much loss, but yet you see them and you look at them when they qualify for the Olympics, they're just overjoyed. And I'm like, wow. We really underestimate the road that is traveled to get to the destination. Yeah. Because the harder the road is, I believe the more precious the destination is when you actually get there. So it's like if you compare championships, you compare uh, Katie's two championships with Golden State versus Dirk Nowinski's one championship with Dallas Mavericks like who 
who has like that one championship is heavily weighty because look who Dirk had to go through. He had to go through. He had to go through that young OKC team with KD, Westbrook, Harden. Then he had to go through. I know he went through the Lakers. I want to. I don't remember if he went through the Spurs and I feel like he went through the Spurs in the second round that year too. I don't Maybe. remember, yeah. but I know he had to go through the Lakers. Because Kobe was trying to go to his fourth championship. He was trying to get, you know, he was trying to go to his fourth finals appearance. Right. And then he had to go through the big three in the Miami Heat. And yo, that serious versus KD. And I'm not, no, not on KD. I mean, he's one of of my favorite players. But if you think about the road, he already went to a stacked team. Yeah. He went to a stack. He already went to a championship proven team. So it's like when you think about the road traveled, it's like, man, that means a lot. And I could see what them boys is like them being qualified for the Olympics in spite of all that they went through is different from the other countries players being qualified for the Olympics. Yeah, it just it means a lot to to know that Luol Deng, he didn't make a lot. He made money, but he didn't make he wasn't the highest paid player in the NBA for him to fund a country. Uh through the Olympics, it's a feat in itself, you know, it, it, in, in, aside from the money, just the pain from losing it, it think about the emotional agility you have to have to be in a civil war in your country, literally fighting against your neighbors for freedom and then fighting for that same person in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. If you get what I'm saying. Right now, you represent the country you had torn. So if we on the block, you know what I mean. I'm on ninth court. You on eighth Ave. (laughs) We fighting against each other, and then now we have to come together as one to fight against the rest of North Miami. (laughs) Like that's (laughs) you know what I mean. That that that's that's mind blowing. That that's so much. So many emotions run through me when I think about that, like the forgiveness, the resentment, the the pain, like knowing that I'm I have to fight for this country or this, these people that killed my parents. Mm-hmm. You know that that is that is uh, I don't know is is in, indescribable. You know, I'm wondering uh, maybe we could Google this or something. Or I'm wondering, like even the guys on the team, like as you say that it was a civil war. I wonder if they were on different sides and they have to be on the same team. That's crazy. That's a very, yeah, that's a that's a great possibility. Yeah. And I think there has to be a different type of mindset when it comes to that because you have to understand that, and this is why I love sports. If, let's say, for example, let's say if within that civil war, these guys are on different sides of the war and they come together to be on one team. This is a symbolism of unity, like, hey, let's put our pride aside, like, we're together, like, we're one country, like, why are we fighting against each other? That can be a a bright light and a representation to Sudan in general to stop the civil war, because now they're coming together, they're showing, hey, we can come together and be civil and walk hand to hand and progress and win all together. Mm -hmm. How many of us don't do that in our personal lives? I mean, most of us don't. Like, we have people in our own families. We can't even work together. Like, we can't, we can't, you know, do things on the same plane. We don't see eye to eye. 
like there's friction for years upon years. You know, every family has that that mm-hmm. friction for years for years, and we don't realize that not only are we hurting ourselves when we do that, but we're also setting in in, in a poor example to the generations after us because now. I share my story of navigating through drug and gang violence in my community as a kid, dropping out of high school, to speaking to over 100 juvenile detention centers and schools in the country, sharing my story in countries like Haiti and Malawi, Africa, and becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist, people always ask me, how did I do it? If you want to know so you can make massive change in your life as well, Click the link in the show notes to my book, When Giants Get Fed Up, From Anger to Ambition. And once you've read it, please feel free to leave me a rating and review. Let's say, for example, your kids and and my kids know each other, which they do, of course, but then we have a falling out. Right. right? What's that gonna, the immediate thing that's going to happen is that our kids are going to have a falling out. And right. you know what's crazy as I'm just gonna bring a real life example. That's what happened in in my life and my upbringing. So you know, mm-hmm. my mother didn't raise me. My grandmother raised me. Now my grandmother, and my mother always had beef, and I never understood why. Of course, because I'm a kid, I didn't know why. I'm like, yo, why are they always beefing? I never got it. And sometimes my mother would come stay with us for like six months a year, and then she'll leave again. And I guess when she was always in transition, because my mom and my siblings moved a lot, like every year they'll go from one apartment to the next. I promise you, they lived on every single apartment on Sixth Ave. I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah, they moved a lot. So come to find out, as I got older, my mother and my grandmother always had a poor relationship. And I believe it stemmed from the relationship that my grandfather had with my mom. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother was jealous of that. And my grandfather spoiled my mom a lot. He gave her everything that she wanted. And my grandmother and my grandfather, apparently there was some domestic violence there. Mm -hmm. So there was some some funny stuff going on there, right? And this caused my grandmother and my mother to have friction to the point now when my mom has me, of course, now I become the apple of my grandfather's eye because he always wanted a son because his son, my uncle, is autistic. Right. So naturally, my grandmother has this jealousy towards me now, because now when I when my mom, my grandfather's like, yo, hey, give us Jonathan, we'll take care of him. My grandmother's like, yo, don't bring that kid here. Right. So now I'm in the picture and then I'm trying to figure out like, yo, why my grandmother acting like this towards my mom? I don't understand what the hell is going on. And then what happens now? Because my mom and my grandmother have beef. That puts a distance between my siblings and myself. Like we never really spoke except for the times that it came and they moved in with us. But that was very short lived. There was always a distance there. And naturally, because I'm living with my grandmother is an instinctual thing that humans do. We're going to take sides. So even if I'm not verbally taking sides, I'm taking sides. Like I'm with my grandmother because that's who I live with. And Uh that's who's technically protecting you right 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 so is when i get older uh, i started to develop a relationship with one of my sisters and you're so crazy she told me she was like 
I don't see Cecin, which is my grandmother. That's what we call her. I don't see Cecin as my grandmother. I don't see her as that. And I say, you know, it's so funny because Lala, which we call my mom, I don't see her as my mom. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. But that's the vision within the family. That's what that's what happens when people don't know how to reconcile and put their stuff aside and just deal with their stuff. Yeah. It starts to really affect their identity. And I, and I don't know if you heard this because this is thing in I've heard it in Haitian culture. I've, I've seen it where uh, the moms would always get jealous of how the dads treat the daughters. There's a natural jealousy there. And I experienced that, you know, I had kids or whatever the, the case may be. But what's funny is that us being men, we also experience that jealousy too when we see how our wives treat our sons. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, and it's, it's natural. I don't know if, based on your background, your clinical background, if there's a term for where there's this natural jealousy between parents when it comes to the condition of how they treat the kids. Oh, for sure. So what people don't realize is that we have layers to us. Mm -hmm. Right now we're in our 30s. We're in our mid-30s, late 30s. (laughs) And (laughs) And the mindset could be, oh, I'm 30 years old. That's what that's the mindset. That's good mindset could be like. But what we don't realize is that that five-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, 20-year-old, 25-year-old person is still inside of us. Mm-hmm. And the person who's the youngest normally is in control of the whole entire life. Mm. That's what we don't realize because there's a lot of development. Like they said, a lot of our beliefs are formed between ages of zero to eight. Yeah. And you have to do some serious work if you want to, you know, deconstruct and put new beliefs in, right? That's where evolution comes into the picture. But you're just kind of just living your life, just like, oh, I'm just living zero to eight. You imagine that means there's a lot of adults that never got past the age of eight. Oh, 30 wise. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And, And that's why. When you have a, uh, when there's a divorce or when there's a death in the family, that's why it's so impactful for kids at that age. And I experienced that because when my grandfather passed away when I was five, I didn't understand what was going on, but my body and my mind started to reflect the pain and the hurt. That's when I got into, started getting into a lot of trouble in school because my grandfather was the only person outside my godmother that I truly felt really cared about me. So now that he's gone and he's out of the picture, it's like, okay, who cares for me now? It's like my mind is just like lost. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just out there. Okay. So going back to it, it's like when you feel that jealousy towards the way your wife would treat your uh your kids, that's that little kid inside of you. That's the child inside of you. That's not the adult you. That's mm-hmm. the kid you. And like I always like to tell people, emotions are, you can compare it to the check engine light on the car. Yeah. So when you feel that jealousy, when you feel that emotion, whether it is jealousy, anger, resentment, happiness, sadness, whatever the emotion is, once you feel that emotion, you got to start going to go, you got to go deeper. You got to be like, okay, why am I feeling like this? What happened in my childhood to make me feel this sense of jealousy? And then you say, okay, what was the relationship like 
with my mom? What was the relationship like with my dad? What was I lacking in my childhood that caused me to feel jealous towards my significant other and my child's relationship? Because mm. this is this, bro, this this happened to me. The, I remember the last time that happened to me was when it was just past Christmas. Yeah. I didn't feel a jealousy, but yo, I got sad, almost cried. Where we had so many Christmases. Like we, we I mean, like what Vivi's what eight going nine. So we had what eight Christmases together already. But I don't know, this Christmas, it was different. Where Kids are just giving gifts, and you know, we and then Lorne's here, we exchange gifts, and Mika's here, my sister's here, and they're exchanging gifts. She's giving the kids gifts, and I see and I feel how happy my kids are, bro. Yeah. And instinctually, like boom, my inner child comes in and starts to get sad. Like, damn, I was never happy like that when I was a kid. I never got Christmas gifts. It's like, but I'm so aware of it. I'm like, oh shoot. And it's like a lot of times what we don't realize is that as adults, we have to be very careful because if we don't understand that, we can treat our kids in a nasty way. We can treat because we can treat other people in a nasty way based off of not understanding what's going on with you. So for you, you say it was jealousy. For me at that time, it was just deep sadness. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's sadness from the child perspective because he didn't receive that. Right. But then there is, there is, hmm, how can I say it? Not sadness. Oh, yeah. But then there's grief on the adult end because I would never experience that as a child. Right. Right. And I, I noticed that you bring up a lot of great points. Um, and I noticed that, like, as I'm on my healing journey and now I'm in that part of my journey where I'm parenting my inner child, I'm loving my inner child. I noticed that I have to heal my inner child in phases, right? So I'm going back to like zero to four and realizing certain things that happen. And then like, okay, telling my four-year-old self, it's okay. It's okay to feel. It's okay. I was there. I understand. And then now I got to keep every block. And it's like, now when I experience things, even now being on, my family, we never took vacations. Like a, a vacation, there was no, yeah, uh, I mean, my growing up, we we didn't really take vacations. I thought, I thought yeah. you guys, I didn't know. Nah, we did. A vacation was going to camp. <laughs> what are you talking about? We went to camp. You know what I mean? Like, my dad would drive. Like, we'll drive and go to Canada to visit family, or we'll go to Washington D.C. It would always be some type of reason we're going. It wasn't like, hey, we're gonna take a family trip. I think the only time we did was when we moved to Miami. He took us to Disney World. To Orlando, worst trip in life, by the way. Where he took us to Disney World. I think he about that. Where he kept yeah. playing the same music over and over and over again. Same music, same music over and over again. We finally got to like a cheap motel. We checked, and then we got to Disney World. I think we stayed in Disney World for two hours. We tried to go on one ride. We got a the big turkey leg. Hey, turkey! Hey, hey! <laughs> we ate that. He said, oh, "I'm tired. Let's go." <laughs> I was like, wow. But, you know, he did it so he could say, hey, I did it. You know what I mean? I, I I get it. Um, The next time he tried to do a vacation was a cruise. I was already 18. So it's like, bro, that don't even count. <laughs> like, I'm a grown-ass adult now. But um, so now when I have my own family and I'm taking them on family trips and vacations, 
it's like I'm happy that they get to experience that. But then there's, like you said, that pain, grief inside of me. That's like, damn, you know, I never got to go to the arcade and not worry about how, like just playing all the games and my dad, you know, I never, I never got a big Airbnb and everybody got their own room and you know what I'm saying? Like, this is crazy stuff. And um, I'm just noticing now that I'm enjoying life more. Um, the more that I, heal my inner child and the more that I have appreciation for myself um it's 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 really eye-opening it's, it's refreshing mm -hmm. and the thing is uh you know you had kids earlier than than I did and and you had kids when I had kids too <laughs> <laughs> but uh of course at that time I wasn't a therapist I was in training but if we could go back I wish I would have just told you if I knew like, Hey, enjoy this time. Like this is the time for you to, this is how you nurture your inner child where you take the, when you're taking the kids out and you're going to these trips, you bring the kid out of you. Yeah. That's, that's a part of the nurturing as well. That's how you can e emotionally close that gap from feeling that pain and feel like you were missing out. Because like I said earlier, that child is still inside of you. Yeah. I remember what time, um, the kids and I, we went to Dave and Buster's and, you know, I, you know how I used to be with money. I was very, I was Scrooge. I was very tight, very tight. And I read this book, uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. And one of the things that he mentioned, he said, yo, when you go to a restaurant, don't look at the side where the price is. Just, you know, just buy whatever you, whatever you like. That's how you can break that scarcity mindset. So I took that and I used that a two-pronged thing for the finances and to nurture my inner child with the kids. So we went to Dave and Buster's. Boy, I promise you I spent like $500 there that day, boy. Yo, we were just, listen. Richie there was, Rich. Listen, there was this thing. There was this, um, you know, the thing where you, you use the thing to grab the the, the That's gifts. the biggest scam. It never <laughs> works. Nah, you know, who, I'm good at it, but you know who really good? Vivi really good at it. Oh. Yo, she be getting them things. Yo, she be getting, I'm like, yo, how you getting them things like that? But there was one specific thing that JoJo wanted and we wanted to get it for him. So I just kept trying and tried and tried and tried. Yo, we finally got that thing. Yo, we were so excited. And it was like, that was me nurturing my inner child because I never had those type of experiences. Right? right. Like just, just, just go ahead. Just, let's just keep going. Let's keep playing games. Let's keep doing that. Like, but then, you know, that becomes a standard and it's like, Bro, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that became a memorable moment for me because that was a part of me nurturing my inner child and breaking the scarcity mindset when it comes to finances. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely jealous because I know how to, you you chose the hardest game in the in the in the, the casino <laughs> to to actually win. But I'm glad you got that for JoJo. And and when you spoke about the Christmas story. I had a similar situation to that, whereas I remember my wife at the time, we were having a Christmas and this is probably that Christmas was like the Christmas. The kids got like two or three gifts each. Like they were getting showered and they were just opening stuff open. And I got gifts, too. And then my wife was like, why are you like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, what you mean? What's wrong with me? She was like, it's like you're not happy, like you're upset at on Christmas like you're not enjoying yourself and I was like 
honestly, I don't know how to enjoy myself. I'm like, I'm sitting here like these little bastards. <laughs> They're sitting here open gifts. I didn't never get gifts. And it's like, like you said, it becomes the standard because we also have to learn how to deal with kids always wanting more and not fully appreciating it. You know what I mean? Uh, the Haitian in me is like, sometimes they growing up, they use that as a weapon against us to say, oh, you don't appreciate the fact that you have food on the table all the time. And it's like, where I'm a kid, I don't know how to, and how am I going to appreciate something that should be the standard at the same time? So it's like, you have all these mixed emotions going on at the, at the same time. And like you said, I didn't have the advice from a, a therapist to say, hey, enjoy that moment. I was sitting there, I was struggling. I was trying to find a way not to end their uh, happiness. You know, I have that vaval in me where, bruh, you, you, you having too much fun. I want to, I'm about to ruin it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was really fighting against that because I'm seeing them getting trains and dolls and, and I see the toy, just everything. And then they're so happy. And I'm sitting there like, oh, how can I need to go get my belt or something? Like, how can I stop them from having this moment? But it's just crazy the emotions that I was feeling at that time. So I, I could relate to your story. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people could relate to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, no, and I think I know a lot of us really underestimate the experiences that we had when we were kids, especially when you grow up in a toxic, dysfunctional situation. It's like things that, like you said, you'll be like, oh, you should be grateful I give you food. It's like, uh, what, am I not supposed to eat? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what, you're, not, aren't, you're my parent, aren't you supposed to give me that? Right. So we, we hear those type of messages. And even though when we're kids, we're like, man, when I get older, I'm going to do more of this and that and that. You know, we said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this and that. I'm going I'm to do differently. Right. We really underestimate how impactful those, those moments are and how they've affected us in a way where if we're not careful, we can continue that cycle as well. Because like you said, you're sitting there, you're fighting, you're battling you're like inside of you, like, yo, you're having too much fun. Because, you know, in your household, there's no fun. Like, nobody's going to be happy. Like, we're, that's not what's going to happen, you know, like. But even though you wanted more for your family, you didn't want that experience. You were that person. Yeah. That your father was. And you had to work out of that. It's like, it's a lot. You know, it's not just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do differently. No, you're probably going to be a product of your environment. Like, that's a very true thing. Right. <laughs> and it was tough because even like, man, going back to Chris a Christmas tree. I never had a Christmas tree in my house. Like I used to have to ask my uh my older siblings, like, hey, do we used to have a Christmas tree? They're like, yeah, back in the 80s, bro. Like we had this one tree. And I'm like, why? And I'm listening to them tell their story. And I'm like, man, I wish I got to experience that, you know? And now I'm getting a Christmas tree for my kids. It's like now it's an every year thing. And even getting, I remember the first time getting a Christmas tree, there was a lot of mixed emotions in that. First of all, I was weaning my way off Christian values. So it was damn near satanic to have a Christmas tree. It's a pagan holiday. So I have to work through that. Then I have to work through the expense of buying a real Christmas tree. Um, then I have to put it in the car. There's just so many different emotions. Like I'm bringing home this tree. Then the excitement of the kids seeing me bring the tree home, putting the tree down, building it up. So it's like, 
all those emotions, like you said, it's, it's a process to work through. And again, when we're talking about the inner child still at the helm, but you being an adult, what we don't see is that that inner child has to grieve that he never had these things. Yeah. But we keep we're but because we're adults, we think that we just have to continue just moving forward and just do do do. No, you have to address that feeling. You have to address it. You have to be like, okay, yeah, this is and it. And to be honest, it may happen every single time Christmas comes. Yep. <laughs> For me, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. When you grew up in such a restrictive environment where you didn't celebrate certain things. When you become an adult, you have to understand that you're probably going to, there's probably a part of you that's going to grieve the holiday season. Yeah. We don't realize, a lot of us, we grieve the holiday season. We don't really don't see that. We have to grieve our birthdays because our parents, they never give us birthday parties. We got to grieve that. Like, these are things that you have to acknowledge and be like, dang, like, wow. There's a feeling that comes with that because you didn't have that as a child. And then you can move forward in developing more of a, a sense to like really enjoy those things. Yeah. Yeah. Because even for what birthday that was for you, that was when you're 34, 33. Yeah. yeah. 34, you survived your Jesus year and you had, a, you had a Halloween birthday party. So it was a lot of, first of all, in our crew, none of us threw each, we didn't throw ourselves, we didn't celebrate our birthday like that. Like that's not a normal thing, let alone throw a party let alone letting it be Halloween in costume for a birthday. It was so, and then I had to host. It was a lot of, it was a lot of things to work through. And I, I, I took it for granted in the moment because what you're saying is as we're working through it, right. It's going to happen every holiday season, but because of your awareness and your ability to reflect and deal with that grief, you're able to be, you're able to evolve from that moment faster. So now next Christmas, you're like, oh, I remember this pain. Got it. I know what it is. Boom, let me enjoy the moment. Right. But it takes time to get there. And I think a lot of people don't want to take the time to feel that pain because they think that they've pushed that pain so far deep down in their soul. They're never going to feel it again. But they don't realize it comes out in the worst times, in the worst moments. It erupts. And you wonder, man, why are you acting like you seven? And it's because when they were seven, <laughs> they had this situation that they never dealt with. And now they're drunk at this Christmas party, acting like a damn fool. And we're wondering what's going on. Yep, exactly. Yep, ex man. And that's why I cannot, man, I don't know how much I can express that. That inner work is like the most important thing you can do in life. Yeah. I have people will come to me for therapy and they they want like very personalized um sessions and I'm like yo cash pay they'm like oh well I can't I'm like hmm okay you don't really understand the importance of your mental and emotional health you really don't understand how your past is impacting your present and shaping and forming your future because if you did you would bruh, you would move heaven and earth to find those funds mm -hmm. you will do whatever you can but i think as time progresses people are really starting to understand the impact of their past the impact of their mental health but 
it just trips me out because for me, for as long as I can remember, I've just been on that. Especially when I when I got into the mental health space, I'm like, oh, like, yo, there's some things I gotta work on. Like, I promise you, it's like every week there's more and more things that are rising to the surface. I'm like, whoa, oh shoot. This is from childhood. Like one thing that I when this weekend that I realized. Cause you know, when I, you know, I'm newly diabetic. So I'm always checking my blood sugar now all the time. I'm seeing what I'm eating. I'm seeing how it's affecting me. I'm seeing, okay, what is my blood sugar after I exercise? What is my blood sugar after I eat this? What is my blood sugar after I wake up? I'm just being very obsessive with it because mm-hmm. I need to have this data to really see how I need to move. Yeah. And, um, there was one morning, one night I couldn't sleep. I woke up like at one in the morning and I decided to watch an emotional eating video from a therapist on YouTube. And I'm I'm watching a video and something that she said, just one word, just, it just, it's like, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. It just, everything just made sense. Mm -hmm. She was saying that a lot of us eat emotionally because there is a void. And a lot of times that void is a, it it could, it could be a lack of connection. Mm -hmm. Once she said that, I just started, it's like all the thoughts just started coming to my mind when I was a kid, when I used to eat when I felt a certain type of way and I realized I was eating the way I ate because I was lonely. Wow. That's why I was eating. Like, so it's like food became my companion. And then now I realized, oh, this is why I can go out easily by myself and just eat. It's like the food is my date. Yeah. Like it's always been there for me. And where my mom wasn't there. My dad wasn't there. My grandmother was neglectful. No adults there. People piling on me. Food became that thing for me that comforted me. Yeah. Once that lady said a lack of connection, is that like, whoa. So even for me, and that's why I try to express to people, yo, I'm a therapist, but bro, I, th- the reason why I'm a good therapist is because I continue doing my work. I keep uncovering and discovering more and more things. Yes. I'm like, it, it really boggles my mind how people just don't try to work on themselves i'm like yo you don't realize you're having a fraction of your life but i get it it's that pain you don't want to feel that you it's easier to just tuck it down and not deal with it but i value personal growth advancement in life in general i value my relationships i value healing so much then I'm like, yo, I just got to feel this thing so I can get to the other side. Because I, re- look, it makes me upset to even think anything will ever hold me back. Yeah, uh-huh. I just don't like that feeling. I don't like that thought. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to feel whatever I need to feel. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be down. But I know after I get this, I, the next step, boom, I'm taking steps forward. Yeah. And you bring up a great point. And I, I think a lot of people need to understand that your emotional connection or lack of it made you feel lonely and food took that place. A lot of us use sex, infidelity, ego, some type of addiction, alcohol, drugs. We all we all put something and depending on how our past was or our childhood was is how we are going to place that affliction in that in that moment. Right. So as you're speaking, I'm like, ah, oh, I could definitely see. I could definitely see what you're talking about, even in my own life. Um, and I, I and another thing you said about when it comes to paying for having that 
mental trainer, that therapist, right? I used to have a misconception that you had to make a certain amount of money to be even a, to afford therapy. But as I, you know, got rid of that limiting belief and that perception, I'm realizing like, bro, like people will spend thousands of dollars on vacation, Jordans, whatever, and you can't you can't spend hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars on someone to help you think better, live a better life, experience more joy. You know, it's 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 crazy to me, you know, it's like like you said, if you really care about your life and your happiness, you will you'll find the funds. No, for find. sure. For sure. For sure. One million percent. And and the thing is, I just tell people, look, just think about the closest person in your life. Mm-hmm. About the closest person in your life. Somebody called you and said, yo, I have them hostage. You need to give me $10,000 before 24 hours expires. Mm-hmm. You're going to find a way. Yeah. Uh, one of my kids or my wife or something like that, they held hostage. Nigga, I'm finding fucking $10,000. Nigga, I'm getting that shit in an hour. Fuck exactly. that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we have to approach it with that same type of intensity. It's like, it's, it's, and the thing about it is, it is really that serious, but we don't think it's that serious until we fucking get 70, 80 years old and we look back like, oh man, look what I did. Look how I damaged this situation. Look at my relationship with my kids. Look what I did with my career. Look how I ended this relationship here, my marriage, and it, it didn't have to end. That's when we learn. And for me, I'm very proactive in that way. Nah, nigga, I'm not going, I'm not perfect. But the things that I can control, that I can see in my vision, I'm like, no, I'm let me deal with this way before it becomes something that I can never undo. Right. Well, with that being said, I just want to say how many of us are keeping ourselves hostage? Mm. <laughs> you know, um, and that that's the premise of today's episode is realizing you don't have it as bad as you think you do. Be grateful for your life. Be grateful of what you've been through. Um, and like, take life more seriously, you know what I mean? And have fun with it. The As hard and painful as the process may seem, there's so much joy within it. Like I love, like I've, I, don't ha- I don't have a six pack on my stomach, but I feel like in my brain, don't make fun of my forehead, but I feel like I got a six pack in there. Like I'm getting, I'm in shape. Well, I got the Rocky music in the background. You, you think the, the six pack is in your forehead. That's what you're saying. <laughs> no, 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 you don't, don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be Eminem today. Eight mile. <laughs> but yeah, man, that that, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that, bro. I, yeah, man, well said. And oh, another one until we pot again, my brother. Love you, blessings. Let's get it. Love you too, bro. Let's flood the streets. Thank you so much for joining us. And before we go. I just want to remind you, the man that says he can and the man that says he can't are both right. Which one are you? By his father and mother, he was abandoned. With no concern for his safety, they left him stranded. A life of hurt was the very thing he was handed. My apologies, cause I'm about to be candid. Every way he went, he felt ashamed alone. And his explosive behavior made it be known. Walked around as if he wanted to be left alone, but he was really carrying the weight of being disowned.